Hi, this is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Hey everyone, Brandon here, and I am doing this cold open because, well, we had some technical difficulties. Uh, as happens sometimes when you depend on the internet for your hobbies. Uh, but we have Lindsay and Drew uh, had a great interview with Star Wars author E.K. Johnston, author of Queen's Shadow, Ahsoka, and the soon-to-be-released Queen's Peril. Lindsay and Drew are going to dig into characters and the books that she's written and a lot of fun stuff. So I'm going to send it over to them. You remind me a lot of Anakin sometimes. Well, it looks like these negotiations will have to be postponed. In that case, I guess I will stay. I'd hate to see all that food go to waste. Did you get a chance to pick the characters that you would get to write? Or were you just kind of lucky enough that Destiny and Fate threw these two fantastic characters your way and you got to be the one to expand on them? Well, it's kind of a combination of both. Um, so when I, um, when I, my first book had just been published, it was nominated for a fairly major award. And I couldn't go on the internet until the award was announced because I was just so nervous. Oh, no. And so instead, I wrote a proposal for a Star Wars book um, and sent it to my agent. And it was like, I think I emailed it to him at like 9.03 in the morning. Um, and he called back at like 10 after, like almost instantly. Um, to be like, yeah, we're going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to see what I can do. Wow. Um, and that book that I proposed in like 2014 is almost kind of not really, but in the general direction of what became Queen's Peril. So the one that's coming out in a few months. Yeah. Which is coming out in a few months. So we, it took, it took a little bit of sort of fitting in to get there. Um, but the first time I spoke with Mike Siglane, Um, I was on the plane afterwards on the way home from New York and like halfway through some sort of terrible sandwich, I'm sure. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's going to be Ahsoka. I really need to finish the Clone Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Because by that point I knew that it was going to make me sad. So I didn't want to. I did. But but what amazing motivation to get through (laughs) it. (laughs) Motivation. Oh, that's incredible. What, man, you know, I mean, I was already really excited for Queen's Peril, but now after hearing this, I'm like, I I need it right now. I need to know what that original nugget of an idea, and I want to ask so many more questions, but I also don't, I mean, secretly, I do want to get you in a little trouble and get all the spoilers, <laughs> but, but I don't want to get you in that much trouble. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I mean, so- what is no, Drew, I'm sorry. I'm hogging the conversation. No, Let's it's fine because you have a lot of the same questions that I'm sure I would like to ask at the same time. No worries. So if your original pitch is now the second Padme-focused book, where did the general idea for Queen Shadow come from then? Um, that one was kind of another sort of 
um, collaboration. I mean, they're all collaborations, but um, they were looking for a book that was a little more um, towards the Clone Wars. And I was like, okay, but I write teenagers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So um, we, we sort of passed ideas back and forth for a while and then finally agreed on, on Queen's Shadow and um, that the idea of her transition, which I, I, I love that kind of storytelling. It's one of the reasons I love writing YA so much is the idea of like thinking you have everything together and then finding, finding out that you really don't. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. And I, I think that shines through in like the early chapters of the book, especially where uh, Padme and all of her handmaidens have that kind of moment in between assignments where they're all kind of talking about what they're going to do in the future, where they want to go. It reminds me of something like American Graffiti, where it's that last night after high school's over before everyone leaves for college, that transitional period. Yeah, really, It was really, really interesting. I don't know that we've seen anything like that in, in the rest of the Star Wars universe. But, but let me ask you this then. You're writing about a character who we've all seen die on screen. We kind of know the end of her story. So I was hoping you could talk about the challenge of writing with that kind of an end in mind. You, you use it in the epilogue itself, um, and you kind of use that to kind of push one of the other characters forward in her own journey. But what was that like having to write for Padme, knowing what, what was in store for her anyway? I think one of the weirdest things about Padme since we met her in 1999 is that we always knew she was dead. Like, even, yeah. when, mm-hmm. even when she was 14, when she was 24, when she was 26, the whole way through the Clone Wars, like, no matter what, we always knew that she was dead. And I remember when they announced um, when they announced Beth Brevis's Rebel Rising book, I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, I don't know if I could write a book about a girl I already did. <laughs> Oops. And then I was like, no, wait, of course I could. Um, and <laughs> I think, honestly, that's the beauty of Star Wars is that we already know what happens. So everybody already has that emotional investment. And then you just get to go back and for lack of a better metaphor, either stab people in more places or just twist the knife. So you get to like, wow, I love that so much. <laughs> and like the whole people trilogy is like that. It's like, Oh, you like star Wars. We're just going to destroy your whole childhood. And then you're gonna <laughs> oh. be with it. And like, which is what happened. It was amazing. And like the whole sort of emotional arc of falling in love with these people and then meeting Anakin Skywalker as a nine-year-old and you're just like, oh no, oh no, the whole way through. Turn away. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because it's that like crushing inevitability that Star Wars always has. So with Padme, um, it was really nice to write her knowing what the end was going to be and have her just be like completely going for it all the time anyway. Mm. Um, so she doesn't know that it's dramatic irony or whatever, but we do, and she doesn't care. And she still would, even if she knew the outcome, she would always try to like, to be that better person. And so getting to write these sort of really, um, more character books than plot. I joke a lot that like when they, when they want plot character, when they want plot books for star Wars, they call somebody else. Um, <laughs> and they, when they want someone who's like, we need you to spend 60,000 words on an emotional journey. I'm like, I am there. <laughs> in. <laughs> in. That's, that's what I can do. If you want, like, if you want the plot to be, I think I have feelings, I'm your girl. So, <laughs> it was, um, so it's, it's a lot of fun like that. And it's the kind of story that I enjoy writing and reading 
Um, and it's the kind of thing that we don't always get to see in Star Wars Absolutely. because, you know, stuff's exploding and there are places to be. So it's kind of nice to just sort of take a moment and really sort of dwell with these characters and then just be like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry about what you're about to go through. <laughs> that's, that's but, you know, that's, that, that really is so interesting. And I love your thought on, you know, stabbing a little bit more, twisting the knife a little bit more. So how is it, because this really is something you do so well and so beautifully, how do you have these characters that are so well-established already and they're so loved, and how do you figure out, okay, here are the parts of them that I think we need to explore a little bit more? Like you said, it's not always about the plot, it's that emotional journey. So how do you really pick for these characters here's the journey that we need to go on to really be able to understand this character and twist that knife just that much more. I think um, one of the things I liked about doing this for both Ahsoka and for Padme is that they're, they do it very differently. So with Ahsoka, she doesn't get a lot of quiet moments. Um, there's like that one episode where she has to slow down and find her lightsaber with the old Jedi whose name I can never remember. But that's like the slowest we ever see her move in the Clone Wars. Mm. And so to get um, to get to where she is in Rebels, where she's deliberately sidelining herself and waiting and waiting and choosing her moments much more carefully, I wanted to give her a book where she is much more aware of the consequences of her actions because she has no backup. It's the first time in her life that no one is coming. So if she causes any trouble, she's responsible for all of the cleanup. And she's never had that before. Anakin has always come. And so he can't anymore, obviously. And sort of getting to write those quiet moments for her was really, um, was strangely moving. I wasn't expecting it to be quite as like impactful as it was, but um, it was really, it was really kind of nice to sort of round out her character with these moments where she has to be like, this is what will happen if I do this. And I probably shouldn't do this but I'm going to do it anyway. Hmm. Um, Padme was different um, because we don't get a lot of her in our life um, in the prequel trilogy. Um, and we get almost nothing of the handmaidens. Basically everything from the handmaidens is stuff that fandom has made up since 1999. Um, and so for her, there's always that moment where she's not speaking before she gives some tremendously like motivational speech or shoots somebody or something. And I wanted to kind of get into her head and sort of see how she figures out, you know, how far she can go and how much of herself she can give. She's a very personal politician in a way that Bale and even Mon Mothma are not. They're very sort of disconnected from politics. They're still very involved and they're still good at their jobs, but they're relatively disconnected from it, except for Bale, obviously, at the end. Um, <laughs> But Oops. then he then he kind of you know comes up to me. But um, he's all kinds but, of parts of it at that point. Yeah. Well, with with Padme, <laughs> I meant at the end of Revenge of the Sith, not at the end. Oh, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I was Man. flashing forward to a little bit. And make the elder on joke, but in this case, it was the Revenge of the Sith. Anyway. <laughs> um, but Padme has always been personally invested, and um, she has a conversation with I think it's with Nina in Queen's Shadow. Um, where Mina says, you know, you're an idealist. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And Padme's like, yeah, I know. I've worked really hard to stay an idealist. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I really love about her. So I wanted to write this character who, you know, lives through 
some aid missions that end in like a 100% mortality rate who, you know, watches her planet get invaded and she can't do anything about it besides go and ask other people for help and hope for the best. And um, the idea of, of the things that she's gone through, what would make her want, first of all, to put herself through that in the first place um, in Queen's Peril. And then in Queen's Shadow, how that changes when suddenly she's worrying about the whole galaxy and not just her own planet. Man, and it really is so effective, too, because that's one of the things, as I got older, I kind of felt Padme was lacking a little bit, because as I did get older, and I'm watching the Clone Wars, and I'm seeing things through a new lens, I kind of had this thought in the back of my mind that I never wanted to verbalize because I loved her. It was that thought of, of course she's still that idealistic senator because what does she know you know she grew up on Naboo she grew up at this at, in this palace and then she went to the senate and she doesn't really know the real people she doesn't know real life but now after reading Queen Shadow it's like oh yes she very much does you know she she's been through that struggle she's someone so relatable and then we can still admire her because despite all of that she still has those core values uh, so that's just something that I thought you did you know, so incredibly well. And I can't wait for Queen's Peril to, to see what else you, you have in store for us, especially now I can't get over the fact that this was the original nugget of the idea. (laughs) I think one of the things with Padme that I've always found particularly inspiring is that she's able to compartmentalize, but still act. And I know this, we, this comes up a lot um, with, with, with teen readers who are worried that they're not being like, enough of an activist. Like I'm not doing enough for the environment. Should I be vegan? Oh no, I threw a plastic bottle in the garbage, like that kind of thing. And the idea that she ran a planet really, really well, but she couldn't save all of the other planets. And that's what we judge her for. We judge her for her failures, Mm -hmm. not her like resounding successes. And so I wanted to sort of, and she keeps trying anyway. She knows that she knows she's being judged for her failures, not her successes. And she still keeps trying. And I think that's, that's something I also really like about her character um, and was something I got to obviously draw out quite a bit in Queen's Shadow. Um, that's something that I enjoy kind of playing around with when I, even as I go back and I watch her characters, when you're like, what would she do if she had absolute power in this moment? And then what are her limitations? I kind of, I kind of like that as well. Cause I think it's very real. It is. And it really does come across, but I think it's almost not fair to you as a writer for us to really only think about Padme, only talk about Ahsoka, because I have to say you are incredible at creating new characters as well. You know, I would say the handmaidens, you, you, I know that they were physically present in the movies, but you still created them in my mind. Um, (laughs) Ahsoka has fantastic new characters. So, is that something you enjoy? Something maybe we could hopefully expect from you in the Star Wars universe in the future to really start creating new characters more often? And if so, kind of what interests you? What would you want to explore with these new characters? Um, I I really do enjoy creating new characters. Obviously, there's like a bit of ego, like, oh my God, what if, you know, they show up in a movie someday or like obviously like Vi Marathi is the dream. Um, but the idea that like, um, characters who, and the other thing with creating characters rather is that, um, you get to sort 
sort of represent people who don't necessarily see themselves in Star Wars a lot. Um, Kaden, as a queer black girl, is the character about whom I receive the most reader mail. Oh, I'm um, sure. Like, without yeah. exception. And mostly it's like, thanks for not killing her. And I'm like, that bar was on the floor, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's it's been kind of nice to to sort of expand myself that way because you are writing in an existing universe. So there are rules you have to play by. But um, it's been kind of fun to sort of push back against those wherever I can. Um, with the full support of my editor, I can't say it enough. Um, both the editor, both my editor and the story group are fantastic about this sort of thing. Um, but I think in terms of, of creating the new characters, I love sort of pulling pieces out of the galaxy that you might not necessarily have thought about before. Um, and my answer to this question has remained unchanged since like 2017. Every time someone's like, who would you like to write? I always have like an idea of a main character I would like to write, but then in the back of my idea or in the back of my head, rather there's like all of the world that I would be building around that character. Mm. Um, and in this case, it would be the teenage Palpatine basically like destroying <laughs> yes. everything he touches. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Cause he's a terrible person. And I think that like building not just a world for him to ruin, because people forget that a lot about Naboo, I think. Um, not just a world for him to ruin, but like a whole galaxy um, of like things for him to steal and things for him to appropriate and just sort of like he's a terrible person. Um, and I will give you one tiny Queen's, Queen's Peril spoiler. Um, he has a couple of scenes in Queen's Peril. Nice. Um, one of them is about art and that scene might be my favorite scene in the book. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Ask me later. No, I've already thought of a scene I like better. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I really hope you get a chance to write this story one day, though, because I'm in. Speaking of Queen's Parable, because I, I believe it's been confirmed it's taking place prior to the events of the Phantom Menace. Is that right? Is that? Can we say that out loud? Yes. All right, cool. Um, I don't want again. Don't want to get anybody in too much trouble, but just enough trouble. Um, well, let me just read it back, and we'll see. We'll see if in the back that gives it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> let me oh, see what's no, on Google right, right now. When Naboo is invaded by the forces of the Trade Federation, so oh, okay. yeah, right up to and including Phantom Menace. Okay, so th that was kind of one of my questions, was because out of Queen's Shadow, one of the most interesting characters seemed to be the uh, the handmaidens themselves, but Sabe in particular, how she she had a lot a real action to contribute. She's off literally saving parts of the galaxy. And at the end of Queen's Shadow, she's kind of approached by uh, uh, Bail Organa, I think. And the idea is kind of planted in, in the mind of the reader that she's joining the rebellion and, and might be joining the ranks of Ahsoka and Cassian and, and the, that kind of a crew. But with Queen's Peril being a prequel, or rather uh, events prior to the Phantom Menace. Do you have anything in mind for the rest of the Handmaidens after that kind of Rise of the Empire era? Like, what are they doing after Padme's funeral? Is that something you've got maybe scribbled down in a notebook somewhere? I mean, kind of, but it's really depressing. Um, well, I mean, a 20-year galactic war is not going to be like, you know, puppies <laughs> and sunshine, but... Yeah, every time someone's like, what happened to the Neberis? I'm like, they're dead, guys. They're very... Yeah, they're, wait, they're totally dead. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that's the, the handmaiden that I have sort of given the most thought to outside of Sabe um, 
is is in terms of her future is probably Sashay. And she was set to take over for, um, or she was set to be elected into Theo Bibble's position as governor. Um, And then Panaka was appointed Moth instead. Oh, right. Okay. So you have this kind of, um, I don't know what happens to her either, but like, I, I try not to think about it, honestly, like just in case. Um, and I don't mean oh come on we can figure something depressing out someone else gets to do something um but I think um there is in Ahsoka I'm trying to figure out how I can phrase this and not get in trouble in Ahsoka there is a very brief appearance of some characters from Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril um which I wrote before I knew Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril even existed so it was very much like a present to myself Okay, so you went maybe, maybe you went back and appropriated some of those characters from Ahsoka and used them here. Oh no, I did it really, really on purpose. But um... <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to go back and find this because I, rem- <laughs> I remember having completed Ahsoka, but Queen Shadow is definitely but one of my favorite books out of the new canon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's basically, and I, I love doing that, like the idea of just giving people enough to work with. One of the things I love about about writing Star Wars now um, and the other writers who I'm working with. Um, working with in a very indirect kind of way. Usually I just yell at them on Twitter. Um, (laughs) The other writers that I get to work with is that everyone is so good at, um, at leaving doors open for something. So like in Battlefront two, for example, there's the, um, the ion shield EMP thing on Naboo. Um, and I found out about it in the game and I was like, Oh my God, that's like the plot starter for Queen's shadow. Um, I just need to know if I can borrow it. And so I emailed story group and I was like, can I have this thing? And they were like, um, yes. Why do you need it? (laughs) But I needed Panaka and, and Padme to have a fight. And that was what they fought over. And so having all of these like windows and doors, um, that other writers are so generous in sharing, um, has been absolutely wonderful. And I think that's probably my favorite part. So I like to leave hooks in there just in case anybody ever comes through and is like who is this person can i borrow them and i'll be like yes you can and here's their whole backstory wow that's fantastic that is awesome and i i would love i remember drew i think i said this to you right after i read queen shadow that i i personally love when there's that connective tissue like for inferno squad the fact that it was a book tied into the video game but you didn't necessarily have to do both but you should um but i would love like a, a comic series about the handmaids in queen's shadow um so kate is there anything that you definitely would love to see this these characters in a different medium if you had to pick one medium what would it be um, well, I mean, Disney plus is right there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, probably I, I think it would be nice. I don't know how they would do it, but, um, I think it would be nice to have like a, some sort of handmade in TV show. I don't know what that would look like or how it would work or when it would be set. <laughs> Even if it's like literally like a, one of my favorite Star Wars books ever is, um, the Legends of Luke Skywalker, um, which is bas- it's a YA book that came out a few years ago, and it's basically like a bunch of kids on their way to Canto Bight, 
And the people they keep running into have these like increasingly ridiculous stories about the time they met Luke Skywalker. Right. And they're all like, they're all absolutely bonkers. Like I love them so much. And I would love to do like almost like a mini series like that, where it's like one historian is like trying to piece together what happened and keeps coming across these like girls and he doesn't know, he or she doesn't know how many of them there are or like, what they were exactly or cause there's their whole job is to be invisible. And then every once in a while there would be like an off camera flashback to one of his research assistants. Who's like, <laughs> I don't know, one of Sasha's adopted daughters or something like that. Just like killing herself laughing and being like, mom, you won't believe what someone else said at work today. And like, just sort of going back and forth. Like, I think, I think that would be fun. That's awesome. That sounds a lot like force collector, but instead of hunting down force sensitive things about the history, it's, it's hunting down these, the handmaidens and whatnot. That sounds fantastic. Drew, at least your mind went to Star Wars because the first thing I thought of was I remember like even as a kid, I would have this thought of like, what if the aliens invaded or what if there's another like volcano explosion? Uh, what? And and now now I'm just like, what if like future historians or future civilizations find all these episodes of like, I don't know, stranger things and think like, this is it, guys. This was history. <laughs> Too much literalist <laughs> interpretation of actual events. Yes. Eh, not a good idea, guys. I would I would love a Star Wars version of that, though. Um, but hey, I know we are coming up on our time. But Kate, I could so easily sit here all night and really, really pick your brain. And it sounds like maybe if we kept you on long enough, we maybe could start getting more and more little tiny Palpatine related scenes <laughs> from Queen's Peril. <laughs> <laughs> but but until then, <laughs> until then, can you uh, let our listeners know where they can find you, maybe learn a little bit more about uh, not only Queen's Peril, but any other um, works that you might have coming up? Uh, sure. I am on Twitter at EK underscore Johnson, um, which is where I spend most of my time talking about books. I'm on Tumblr at EK Johnson with no underscore, which is mostly just me reblogging pictures of the witcher right now <laughs> um, and then i have a website but i haven't updated it in a while so like give me a couple weeks and <laughs> but hopefully we'll be announcing uh queen's pearl related stuff soon like the back cover well i mean we know what the back cover looks like but the copy and all that kind of standing mm-hmm. um so yeah twitter is probably your best bet nice and drew what about you where can we find you uh, it's not nearly as impressive as uh, Kate's credentials, but I'll be on Twitter at the Drew Brett, and um, I'm getting back into the swing of things. Um, the little baby girl is finally getting to be to the point where she doesn't need 24-hour attention, so I'll be back in uh, the the fun and the conversations shortly. I hope. Nice, and you guys can find me personally at the Lady of Lore on Twitter. Uh, you can also always find me over in our Facebook group, the Clashing Sabers Network. And as for Clashing Sabers, you can find us on Twitter at Clashing Sabers, and of course, check out ClashingSabers.net for more information not only on our podcast series, on our uh, different articles that we have published, but also, of course, most importantly, on our nonprofit organization uh, to really get more books into schools so that the next generation can enjoy these Star Wars stories the same way we have. Until the next time, this is Don't Burn the Sacred Text. Bye! 
All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff, our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text. 